new CBS Sunday. You collect rewards, right? This is how I make my living. When something is lost, everyone's looking for something. He finds it. You strong swimmer? So-so. So-so. So-so's okay. Justin Hartley stars. How you survive, you make quick, smart decisions. If you never let panic take the wheel. Sounds cool. It is cool, actually. Very cool. Tracker. New Sunday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Hello, everybody, and welcome to an emergency edition of Tunnel Vision, a show brought to you by USCFootball.com. I'm your host, Keely Orr, joined remotely by Ryan Abraham and Shotgun Spratling. Guys, we have a lot to talk about. It feels like in the last 24 hours, a month's worth of news has broken. So we'll do our best in this show to kind of break it down and give you our thoughts on the whole situation, Pac-12 football, USC football, what hand did USC have and all of this happening. We'll get into that. Uh, but as always, you can uh, comment, leave your comments, and we'll try and answer them. No calls today. Uh, you can tweet at us, though, hashtag TunnelVision, and I'll try and put your tweet up on the screen. I believe we are live on Facebook. Facebook and Periscope right now, trying to work on YouTube. A little bit of technical difficulties, of course, because that always happens. But, you know, we, we, we prevail. We, we go on. Uh, guys, initial thoughts of today, the last 24 hours. Things have completely changed. It's been insane. Uh, it's been, what, the day, last day and a half. First of all, yesterday, the big news is the, the USC players coming together and saying, hey, we want to play Governor Gavin Newsom and uh, pretty much calling out the governor. Um, and, you know, I thought that was a good first step. The players need to be united in this, and I think they were. They came out, they want to play, because you sort of knew what was going to happen this morning was going to happen, which the Big Ten decided they were going to come back and play college football. They announced, that you know, when they're going to start. It's going to be in October. They're going to do an eight-week, uh, you know, eight-game schedule over eight weeks, which is a little aggressive, but uh, that was obviously big news and kind of puts the Pac-12 uh, on notice, you know, of what, hey, what's going on here? Larry Scott comes out with a very vanilla statement right away. You know, we can't practice yet because of restrictions in California and Oregon, everything we kind of already knew, nothing really new from that. It wasn't really the aggressive kind of nature that you would have wanted. And then things started to spiral. You get some politics involved, which always makes things fun. Uh, the governor comes out and, and he has his, you know, daily press conference talking about the wildfires and COVID and all this stuff. And he gets asked about, uh, you know, the comments that, you know, the, the, the letter that the USC player sent and was basically like, whoa, 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 we're not the ones pre preventing college football from happening. And you're like, well, so they can play, but they just can't practice because the restrictions are you have to be in these pods or cohorts of six to 12 people, which that doesn't really make sense. You know, can you not have a cohort of four people? It has to be at least six, but it can't be more than 12. I, that didn't make sense to me anyway, but you can't practice football with only 12 people, especially when you can't have contact 
And those same 12 people, those are the only ones that you can practice with. So do you want to do all offense? Do you want to split up some offense and defense? Do you want to do all starters, all position groups? It just didn't make any sense. And John Milner, who's been all over this, doing a great job for uh, the San Jose Mercury News, he gets a, a, a comment from an official, a California official, and they give these crazy suggestions like, well, you can mentally practice and you could do five on five in your cohort, which that, I mean, that just made things worse. And you just, it didn't make any sense. The, the government at Oregon comes out and says, hey, we're going to work with uh, Oregon, Oregon State. They're going to be allowed to practice. We're not going to restrict that. But we haven't heard from the Pac-12. They haven't made any requests for this stuff. So that kind of puts the Pac-12 on notice. Larry Scott comes back for the commissioner of the Pac-12 saying, hey, it's great that we're working with both the governments of California and Oregon and, and everyone's going to be able to practice and we're going to roll this out. And they were like, I don't think that's what Gavin Newsom said about you know being able to work with it. But I think there's a lot of politicians trying to save face. And, you know, we're getting it's just and it's just been evolving throughout the day. But the point we're at now, and there's been so much going on, I'm sorry if I missed something. It looks like we're opening up. It's going to be available for the California schools and the Oregon schools to practice. Even the, the, the county of Los Angeles, which has been very restrictive as well. Mayor you know, Eric Garcetti was coming out saying, hey, this is going to be something that works as well. We're going to let them practice. Uh, we could see practice by next week, you know, uh, as far as that going. So this is a really good step. It's going a lot faster than I thought it would. But I think once you kind of put these politicians on notice, they don't want to be the bad guy. You know, the Big Ten was getting, you know, we don't want to talk politics here. Donald Trump got involved in the Big Ten stuff, and he's going to try to take some credit for it. Gavin Newsom does not want to be the one that, like, shut down West Coast football. So we're even here in the Mountain West. They're going to try to get some emergency stuff going. So the ball is rolling today. If you want to see college football and you woke up this morning, you should have a much more rosy view, a much more optimistic view that it's going to happen here on the West Coast than you did just 24 hours ago. This is, go go ahead, Keely. No, I was about to say, this <laughs> Sorry, is basically... <laughs> No, I mean, basically, if you're a college football fan, a Pac-12 football fan, and you woke up today and you're like, what's the best case scenario of how today could go? It basically was today as far as all the dominoes that needed to fall. But go for it, Shotgun. Well, hey, real quick, I did a Pac-12 radio show this morning, and they were like, it would take weeks for the for the California government to approve something. And I was like, I don't think it would take that long. I mean, once you kind of get the fire under it, but it was hours. It wasn't weeks, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I should just, you know, back away, go have some dinner, come back. Ryan's ready to go tonight. He's ready to go. I'm remote, man. I'm like remote. This is crazy. Keely's running the show in my office. I'm not even there. This is nuts. Ryan nope. just is, is super excited about the football season. I feel kind of like I have, uh, you know, I'm kind of a college football bipolar fan right now um, because I'm excited that there's the possibility that you're going to have everyone coming back. You know, I'm really excited about that. But I'm also just so tired of this. So tired. It's it's such a mess. I hate hate politics. I hate yes. politics. Oh. I once had a professor that suggested that I should cover politics because it's the biggest game out there. You know, it's it's all a game, and that's what I hate about it. Everyone's doing something so that they can gain something. Something when politics should be about working for your constituents and doing the right thing, which never happens anymore. So the fact that everyone is trying to take credit for something and no one wants to be the bad guy, that's why everything you know rolled so quickly here, it, just like Ryan said. But you look in the Big Ten and how many politicians came out today and were like, hey, hey, uh, I helped this. I did something. I did something here. I helped to put this out, put make this happen. 
whether it was from the White House or from different states and stuff, they're like, oh, this, this is all me. This was – I got the ball rolling. I did this. And on the same side for the Pac-12 is now no one wants to be like, I'm the one holding things up because they know it's an election year. You know, the political swing can come based on anything with people these days. So it's, it's so dumb that it has to come to this. So I, I'm kind of a, <laughs> just fed up with everything that it's that it has to come to, you know, I don't want to be seen as the bad guy to make things happen rather than what is the best thing for these kids? What is the best things for these conferences? How can we work together to get this uh, to work and come to solutions? And that doesn't seem like that's the case. It's just a constant, like, what can I do to not look like the bad guy? What can I do to take some credit? You know, it's so – I'm, I'm excited that there's going to be football, that the Big Ten's coming back. And it looks like, you know, with how many things um, you know, were manipulated today and how many things changed so quickly that, like you said, Ryan, we could see practice next week because, again, Gavin Newsom, no, you guys could, you guys could have competition. What was really weird to me was like, hey, you can have competitions and games you just got to follow these practice rules that make it right. impossible to actually be ready for competition. He Don't touch contra- anybody. Yeah. He contradicted <laughs> himself within like five sentences. He was like, let me be clear. We've said nothing that would prohibit games, but also the maximum people you can have practicing at once is 12. And it was just right. like, do you understand how football works, sir? Because that doesn't work. I feel like someone has been playing, like someone has broke out in the quarantine. They're like, you know what? I got this old PlayStation. I'm going to break the PlayStation 1. I'm breaking this thing out. Oh, I got NFL Street. That is a great idea. The Pac-12 should play NFL Street. Six players on a team. We'll have three linemen. You have two receivers and a quarterback. Just go. And you that's can't what have six on six. You can only have five on five, which was they, the. They instant. can have twelve players now, Ryan. They they just said that five oh, on yeah, five they, is probably what they suggest. Yeah. Uh, so not no. even seven on seven, but because this arbitrary number of twelve people, it, it makes no sense to actually be able to practice. Um, you, you know, I had saw some comments today that people said USC would be way ahead in this because you know they already don't do contact practices anyway, so. Uh, you know they would be they would have an advantage in this uh, Pac-12 season if that's the way it were to play out. But yeah, it's it's dumb that it, it had to come to this. But I am excited that it looks like the ball is rolling and moving quickly, um, so that there yeah, there's going to be a Pac-12 uh, CEO group, I believe, uh, that is meeting on Friday. It was already scheduled to meet, but at that time they could come to the decision that. Let's go ahead with practices. They've got approval from Oregon and from California. It looks like mostly uh, still some lo- local governments that you know have to be checked on. But you know, LA County is obviously a big one with USC and UCLA. Uh, the Bay Area, those two schools have to to work and make sure they can get their stuff done. Same thing in Oregon, but the state governments are going to allow it. So if they say on Friday, we see the path. Um, you know, especially. If they, you know, whenever they can get the testing in, that's another thing. You know, they talked about having the test available at the end, by the end of October. Who's going to have those tests available? Can they speed that up a week or two? And then maybe you can, you know, you can start practicing next week. And if that's the case, they've said four to six weeks. So if you start next week, uh, you know, so next Monday on the 21st, then you could be ready to go by the beginning of November, if not even a, a week earlier. And Michael Lev, our, our, our good buddy, uh, used to cover USC, had uh, the suggestion that why can the college football playoff 
not push things back a week or two. You know, why are they why do they have to be locked into January first for the the semifinals? You know, everybody likes that as a you know a tradition, but this is not a traditional year, obviously. So you know, why not make a make an adjustment there? The Pac-12, even if they start a week late, they can get in. Now they're eligible. Will they actually get anybody in? That's a whole another question. But they would be eligible for the college football playoff as well. Everyone's happy that the the Power Five's back. You got the you know the MAC, the Mountain West, seeing what they can do because there's still the possibility of those Group of Five, uh, you know, New Year's Day bowls as well. Yeah, and one real quick thing, Keeley. Yeah. One news thing I didn't mention is uh, this. Also, I think Wilner broke it, and Ryan Carji from LA Times confirmed it. Keeley, you might have too. But the uh, so the the athletic departments from USC and UCLA combined their efforts, and they spoke to the you know, Mayor, uh, Mayor Eric Garcetti. Um, so that kind of opened up the pathway there. So there was that work that Keeley was reporting in the war room and stuff going on behind the scenes. I think that was part of it where they were working with the local governments behind the scenes. So there was a lot of hurdles that needed to be, you know, cleared and a whole bunch of them got cleared, uh, just this afternoon. I think this is the part where, you know, USC fans back in the day and kind of what happened, they always were like, well, where's USC? Why aren't they uh, driving the conversation? And especially recently when Ryan Day was very vocal with the Big Ten, they were like, USC is so quiet. Look at where they've like, they've fallen. But in reality, from who I talked to, USC was doing a lot of work behind the scenes. And I think that's kind of, you can kind of see the, the groundwork. You can see what happened based on how fast and how quickly things came today. I was able to confirm Wilner's report that uh, after Gavin Newsom and his office talked to Larry Scott, they called USC's athletic department to try and uh, figure things out further. And then I also uh, was told that USC has been working behind the scenes with UCLA to work on LA County. Uh, I was told also that USC was the one who, after uh, the Pac-12 had their partnership set up with Quidel, the the testing company, they were the ones that forced the issue of, hey guys, why can't we go back uh, to government entities in California, local and state, why can't we force this issue even more? I, It, it was something that seems pretty obvious, but apparently the Pac-12 was not really doing. Um, so they, uh, so USC really pushed, forced the issue, started this new group, this lobbying arm to go back and re-engage with the government entities. And so they've been working behind the scenes. And so this is why you're seeing all these dominoes falling. And it doesn't surprise me. It surprised me that they went public with it, but it doesn't surprise me that USC's players were the ones ones who went public on Tuesday because this seems like a full-blown strategy that USC had. Now, I, it's been clarified to me many times that this is a player-led strategy, and I don't doubt that, but I think it was a player-led movement as far as Amon Ra, St. Brown's tweet and whatnot, but it doesn't surprise me that USC had a big, big impact in this and was trying to push it. So uh, I think it's, a, it's what USC fans have been complaining about, that USC has not been driving the conversation and, and leading the Pac-12, and this is where you can see that they are actually trying to do that now. Yeah. I think a good analogy here, and Ryan, I think you'll appreciate this one, is we got way too many desserts out there, flashy, shiny, I want credit for everything. When, like Little Wayne said, we need more pasta people, Little Wayne said, real G's moving silent, like lasagna. <laughs> like so lasagna. Some, exactly. So we need some more pasta people out there that are actually pushing to get things done. And I think, like, like Keely said, I think that's why you saw how quickly the movement went here. It wasn't, okay, well – Okay, we got to talk to Gavin Newsom. Well, okay, now that that's happened, two days later, okay, we need to talk to Garcetti. Like, I think these things were already in motion behind the scenes a little bit, so I think that's why it was so quick to, you know, to to for their, the movement to continue from one step to the next 
because I believe, like Healy said, that there, there's been a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes rather than the Big Ten, which is everyone has classified oh, okay. as an absolute mess yeah. because there's been so much stuff in the public. I mean, there, there's times when you need to be in the public and need to be swaying uh, public opinion. And there's other times when you need to be working hard behind the scenes and similar to a football program. You need to show up on Saturdays and look good then and take credit then, but you need to put in that work during the week. Yeah. So we have too many desserts out there, you know, too many shiny desserts with gold flake and stuff and not enough uh, carbs, you know, loading up to, to help you get big and strong. You need that carbo loading. And I see you took my food analogy. I wasn't going to use that one, but <laughs> I have a different one. I have a little mini rant to go on. Is that okay? Because we haven't done that. Okay. Go for it, Ryan. So the, the Pac-12, uh, a lot of criticism. I think it's deserved a lot of times, but they've actually handled this pandemic and this, I think they've handled it as good as anybody. Maybe the SEC uh, they were going to push forward almost no matter what, but they put a delayed schedule out there. They're going to start, you know, after some of the other Power Five conferences. I think the SEC has done a good job. I think the ACC and the Big 12 trying to do out-of-conference games. Maybe, put, you know, they've had stuff canceled. Probably pushing a little too quickly, but I like what the SEC has done. The Big Ten has been an absolute mess. We talked about that. And the Pac-12, I think it was a very consistent message. I think there was sound logic behind everything they've done. And, uh, you know, they, they were following the medical advice and just really the government's in the, in the region that they weren't able to practice with California and Oregon. I think all of that made sense and they communicated it well. I think they were open book and everyone was on the same page, but it was sort of one of those things where do you ever get like your a punishment that you didn't really mind? Like you're not allowed to go, go uh, your parents, like you're not allowed to go jump off that cliff uh, and into the water. You're like, yeah, mom, I really didn't want to jump off that cliff anyway. So I'm glad you said no, but then your dad's like, Oh, go ahead, son. You can go do it. You told your friends like, yeah, I don't, I would jump off the cliff, but my mom's not going to let me go. And then your dad comes up and says, hey, I did that when I was a kid. Why don't you go jump off the cliff into the water? And you're like, oh, crap. I don't really want to do that. I feel like that's where the Pac-12 is now, where they didn't they didn't really feel comfortable playing. So it was cool. They're like, hey, we're all on the same page. But then half of the people were still going out and jumping off the cliff, and they weren't. And, and they're like, yeah, my mom's not going to let me. Uh, we can't do it. Uh, but then and their, their best friend, like me and my best friend, we're just going to sit here. We're not going to jump off this cliff. We'll let you guys do that. But then the best friend's like, you know what? I'm getting a lot of peer pressure. We, I want to go jump off this cliff. Maybe listen, rush this through. I'm going to just go run up now and jump off the cliff. So now you're sitting there alone. And the Pac-12 was alone. They were comfortable not jumping off the cliff. And then they were like, could they have done some work behind the scenes that like could have lobbied to the mom? Like, hey, you know, mom, dad this did this when, I, when he was a kid. And I really, my friends are doing it. The Pac-12 didn't, I don't think they did any of that stuff. I don't think they were laying the groundwork like, the state of Oregon said today, um, you know, they, they hadn't got a request from the Pac-12. So to me, it feels like the Pac-12 was very comfortable not playing. And they were all fine with it, but now their hand got forced. But luckily, though, there was stuff in place. You have programs that really wanted to play. They understood the, the benefit of playing football. They didn't want to be left behind. And I think the motivation of not being the only one there, the only, you know, everyone else has a dance partner and you're, on the lo- you're alone on the sidelines. That's where the Pac-12 would be. They already had a popularity problem already. If this is a high school analogy, you want to continue on. They don't want to be the only the lone person sitting on the sideline not dancing. So now they got to get out there and find a dance partner. But I feel like they were reluctant to get there, if, if that makes any sense. So I, I think what you're trying to say, Ryan, is if you're a USC fan, you should be happy that 
USC was forcing the issue. If you're a Pac-12 yeah. fan, you should be concerned that they needed uh, a kick in the butt to be, hey, you know what? Maybe we should revisit this with California officials. You know, it it, it was something that probably USC shouldn't have even had to do in the first place to force the issue. Yeah, I think this is, I mean, it comes from the conference. And if Larry Scott was on the ball, I think that, you know, like I said, did a really good job at the beginning. But once you see the tide turning and the data point of, hey, they're actually playing football out there, this isn't going to look good for us. And once you knew that the Big Ten was like a hornet's nest, like they were going to, they're like going to try to play. They were going, you know, Ohio State wants to be in the college football playoff. They're going to shoehorn a season in and make it happen. Um, I think at that point, if you're the Pac-12, you have to anticipate that's going to happen. We need to do something and to try to get this ready. Now, it happened pretty quickly today. Uh, but I think a lot of it was luck. A lot of it was that letter. I mean, Gavin Newsom didn't want to be called out and said, like, I'm the reason why you guys can't play. And he's like, that's not it. That's not the reason why, which obviously it was. But um, so I feel like there were some fortunate events. But the Pac-12 could have made this a little bit smoother. I think it might work out OK. Um, it's just one of those things. It's like, hey, this is going to work out. But all the momentum was going towards playing, I would have loved to see more of Larry Scott and the Pac-12 kind of like talking to the governments in Oregon and California, not just saying they're not going to let us practice instead of being like, they're not going to let us practice, but here's what we're proposing, especially when the new testing, the, the, you know, the rapid testing stuff came out. That should have been the first call that was made. So, you know, the governor of Oregon sort of called out Larry Scott a little bit. That motivated him. Gavin Newsom was called out. Call these people out, I think, was a, a good way to do it. They don't want to be, like Shotgun said, they don't want to be the one that's like, I stopped college football on the West Coast from happening. So as, as the train's, like, barreling away, you just you didn't want to be left behind. And so you're the hobo running up next to it, like, jumping on, throwing your little, uh, you know, uh, whatever, polka-dotted knapsack, or you know, over this. I always want one of those things, a stick with, like, a handkerchief. We have a lot of those around now because of COVID. You put your belongings there, just carry it over here, you know, jump on a train. I know what to get you for Christmas now, uh, yeah. Ryan. Shotgun, your thoughts? Um, I uh, I think that the Pac-12 needed to be more like Andy Dufresne asking for books in the library. You know, send a letter a week. You know, phone call a day, a phone call, and then when they do say, okay, we'll we'll you know we'll lessen the restrictions a little bit, I'll send two letters a week. You know, two phone calls a day, whatever it, it, it takes there to do that. I will say though, I do still have some concerns. You know, there still is there are concerns about, you know, what the virus can do to, you know, the, the future health of people, even the 18 year olds. And the fact that you have schools like LSU going, well, most of our players have caught it. And, I, and it feels like and no one is saying it, that they're directly doing it to try to get a herd immunity of the team. But it feels like that is the case with some teams. Like, okay, well, let's just let everybody catch it before the season, then we we'll want to worry about it. When the the research says that, you know, uh, the latest research that I've seen is that you can you can catch it twice, you know, you can catch it more than once. Your immunities are about three months. So I feel like some some places are playing a dangerous game, and the fact that you're still seeing outbreaks in some places, and pe- college kids are still doing dumb things like Memphis, you know, having a party bus and then having to cancel their next game because, you know, there's so many players on that party bus that got, you know, that were tested positive. I still have some concerns. I want to say that. I know I've been, some people have been tweeting about, you know, uh, why are the, why are these student athletes allowed to get these tests? The regular students can't, or I'm a, you know, I'm a first uh, responder. I can't get these tests daily. Why are they allowed? 
So I, I think the there's still some concerns there, and there's some issues with you know the the divvying up of resources in that regard. But I give the Pac-12 credit for what they've done, putting together the the partnership with Quidel, you know, putting together the fact that they're going to daily test, and that is one of the things I've harped on from the very beginning that the entire conference, the state, the country needed to do better was testing. And by testing, then you can eliminate that spread, which is, is where things get dangerous for, you know, not only the college football teams losing players for, you know, and Missouri having 14 players out now because it spreads from one person to two to four to eight. Um, but I think with daily testing, you can limit that. So I think the Pac-12 is on the right path. But I did want to say that still, still some question marks on the science, but give credit to the scientists in the Big Ten, the Pac-12, and other conferences that as this has evolved, and that's what science is, it's an evolution. You know, when something new comes up, there's going to be an evolution of thoughts on it as you test and learn more about it. So I give credit to them for, for being able to, to see what is happening, make adjustments, and now hopefully that means we're heading in the right direction, everyone can be safe, and we can have some college football this fall. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that uh, Eric Garcetti actually mentioned in his statement when asked about um, college football. He said that uh, we don't know what will happen once it gets colder. Will this spread faster, uh, this meaning COVID-19? And then another factor in all this as far as student safety, student health is the air quality is very poor in Washington and Oregon. If they were to try and play tomorrow, they would not be able to just because the air quality is is, is so poor. So there's still a lot of variables involved, like I, not to be add on to Shotgun's Debbie Downerness, but there's a lot of things that still need to happen in order for uh, this to kind of get going in that sense. Yeah. Okay, we got Debbie Downer, Debbie Downer, not Debbie Downer here. I'm excited. Call yeah, you are. going to happen. It's one of those things, too, where – you want to look, you follow the science. You want to make sure everybody's safe. Uh, there was a lot of theories that it's probably not going to be spread from players, you know, playing at you know, each other. You're not going to maybe have enough viral load, just having a tackle and going back to the huddle and things like that. The daily testing, like Shotgun said, if you could wake up every day and knowing you're going to go into a meeting or you're going to a practice and you're clear, uh, if, if you were positive, they would know it already. And so you're out of the population. It makes contact tracing a lot easier. It just, it does so much to be able to know every day you're in a safe environment. It's not a bubble, but it's like, it's close. And the, the point is you don't want to be able to, you don't want a football game or a football practice to spread this disease out through the community. And you're testing every day, so you're eliminating that. So all the county health officials, the state health officials, they should be okay with their stuff. And I feel like it was one of those things too, where if you are doing trials, uh, maybe, you know, if you're talking about like the vaccine for the COVID stuff, um, and you know, are you allowed to do trials at this point? No, but they did some rogue trials over there and they weren't supposed to do it, but they were doing it anyway. And they're sort of like, oh, those, those kind of work. It's sort of like, I don't think the big 12 should have been starting their season. I don't think the ACC should have been starting their season. Uh, the Arkansas states of the world and all that stuff, they, they probably shouldn't have started, but they did. And you were kind of the beneficiary of that. You're like, well, let's see what happens. Oh, there was some stuff that's happened. There's weird, like they're postponed that one or that one got canceled. They're, they're scheduled. Army's like tweeting out, like trying to get games scheduled on the, at the last minute. Anyone want to play this weekend? Come. And, you know, there's some crazy stuff that's been going on. But as a, you know, I think the SEC was smart because they delayed a little bit. And you could watch what was going on. And the Pac 12, too, now looking at like, hey, I get what our concerns were. We were worried. Well, what if this would happen? Well, we saw a bunch of games happen. That didn't happen. Well, maybe this could. There's still concerns. There's still real issues out there. But the concept has been proven as far as like you're seeing actual football games and 
I think that's where you kind of have to go with it. Maybe it all gets shut down still. I don't know. I don't think it will. I'm going to be, op- I don't want to be Debbie Dotter. I'm going to be the optimistic person. I think it's going to go forward and I think you're going to have a season. And I, I think it's a good thing at this point. I, I feel like it's safe enough. There's risk involved in everything. You're not going to eliminate all risk. And there all the arguments about players being safer when they're in these groups on campus. I think that's true. You can argue the morality of why do these guys get testing every day and the regular public yeah. don't. But I mean, they're they're bringing a, they're, I would do whatever like the NBA. I would pay a tax to yeah. There's money involved. But I want to be. I loved watching the NFL football games this weekend. I love drafting my fantasy team. I love watching the NBA playoffs. And do I care that they're getting special treatment because they're like get they're spending all this money to do this and bring us this entertainment? No, I mean I I think that's you know if there if there was some movie producer out there that was like paying a bunch of money to get everyone on the set tested so they could produce this movie that you want to see, would you complain about that? No, it's like this is something a production for you know mass usage out there that people are going to watch and be entertained by so you don't you don't argue if some you know michael bay makes some movie that costs 300 million dollars like why can't why can't i do that with my iphone it's like well (laughs) there's differences there so i don't have a problem that they're doing all this daily testing stuff i think it's a good thing i think it's safe for the players they want to play they made it pretty clear and i'm optimistic that we're going to have college football this fall in the pac-12 which is crazy now, one concern for the Big uh, Big Ten and the Pac-12, if they try to crunch their season together, the Big Ten, you know, they're doing an eight-plus-one schedule um, so that everyone is going to play a final game, you know, across their, their uh, you know, divisions. They're doing it in a nine-week period, basically. You know, there's not going to be a lot of room, wiggle room where you've already seen a number of places, you know, from, you know, from the Arkansas States and uh, the Memphis, those early games that have had to change their schedules, have had to move things back or, you know, make adjustments. The ACC's already had to have that happen for, for a game or two. So with the Big Ten and the Pac-12 being behind the other conferences and just now making this decision – then, you know, if the Pac-12 sets out a schedule, if you want to be a part of that college football playoff, everyone is going to have to be on their P's and Q's as far as not going out, not doing any dangerous activities, not, you know, going to bars or anything like that, where they could potentially come down with a case, spread it to their teammates, and then the game gets canceled or moved, you know, have to be moved because there's just not that wiggle room in the schedule. Like the original schedules that the Pac-12 and the, the Big Ten had built that had that extra wiggle room where you played certain teams and stuff, had that extra bye week, those things that they had built in. Now it's, it's going to be up to everyone to be right on top of everything or else, you know, you may have teams not be able to make the playoff because they can't get their games in in time. Yeah. That was a big concern uh, for me when you saw what the big 10 did. Cause I like, I like the Pac-12 schedule. I like, uh, what the Big Ten was doing before. they I mean, the problem was they came up with a schedule and canceled their season six days later. That was not a good look. Yeah. But to do eight games in eight weeks, that, I mean, we've already seen a bunch of things get canceled. And they've had these protocols of what, what tolerance levels are going to be. So how many co- positives you have, what percentage, and what you can do. There's like red-green levels or whatever, something yeah. like that. Um, I mean, the whole point of doing this is they want Ohio State to have a chance at making the college football playoff. Do you think if Ohio State has like the five percent of positives and there's you know a couple of walk-ons and stuff that have it, they're gonna like cancel their game against Rutgers and like potentially miss a college football playoff? Like that ain't happening. I don't I don't buy that for a minute. But they just don't have a lot of wiggle room if you're there to do eight games in eight weeks and you're really trying to shoo that horn that in there. I don't know if the Pac-12 is going to 
to follow that and try to do the same sort of thing. Maybe it's a shorter schedule. I don't think the playoff is going to be as big of a concern. Maybe it'll stretch out a little bit. And I love Lev's idea. Maybe you delay the college football playoff a, a little too. And who knows? There could be more of these uh, Big 12 and ACC. And when the SEC starts, those games get delayed a little bit. And they kind of have to move the college football playoff. But I like just coming in with the idea of, hey, we're going to try to get this season in or whatever it is. If it's eight games, all your division and a few crossovers, however you do it, uh, I think there's a, a reasonable way you can. And I don't think the Petco is going to be as focused on, let's get this in before the college football playoff starts. It, it doesn't seem to be as big of a deal. I mean, is then what are you really playing for in that sense? I mean, USC in their letter said we want to play for a championship. What type of championship? Is it just Pac-12? Like, it seems a little odd to then shoehorn this in and be like, well, we don't care about the college football playoff. Then why not wait till January when you're the only team playing and you might get a better TV deal or, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think John Wilner and John Canzano both do a great job covering Pac-12. They had great columns before this came out. And I was at, and Keely, we did the show yesterday. Yeah. And I was cool. Like, I was fine with uh, if the Pac-12 just goes in January, you know, like, hey, you know, that's fine. But the point was going to be, it was more about what's the perception of that. And it's not necessarily losing the Rose Bowl and having your dance partner or the Big Ten be gone. It was more about, it's sort of setting the Pac-12 apart even more. They're already like the outsider. They're like the foreign exchange student or whatever. And people are just like, yeah, that guy's not as cool as, as everyone else. And then they go out and do something really weird like that. They play on their own. Uh, I think I used the prom analogy for, uh, for the podcast where it's yeah. like the main prom and then you were going to go, we have a separate prom because we had a late final or something and half the people who were going to that prom are going to the main prom now. Now you're stuck with this really lame prom. You're like, you got to figure out a way to go to the main prom. And I think that's what happened. Like if the Pac-12 wasn't at the main prom, uh, then you have a real issue because it's just going to, it's not going to help the perception of the conference. They've already talked about like the power four and not leaving the Pac-12 in there. If they didn't at least try to get into the fall uh, I just feel like it was going to be an issue. So I, I like the columns that those guys wrote, Wilner and Canzano, about that. So I'm, I'm on board with it. I do think it's beneficial to have the season no matter what. And if if they would rather do a same kind of – like start at the same time as the Big Ten, but they were going to say, we're going to go 10 weeks and for our eight games to give us some wiggle room. And if the college football playoff isn't going to wait for us, fine, whatever. I don't have an, an issue with something like that. You would think that they would be a little more lenient if you're talking about a week or two as opposed to – uh, well, we're gonna we're not gonna wait till January to see what happens. So I feel like they're gonna still come out with a more flexible type of schedule. We we don't know it yet. We'll see when that comes out. But I, my my gut is it will be more flexible and maybe won't be as like you know eight weeks and eight games in eight weeks like the Big Ten's doing. Really just trying to make it into that playoff. And with the Big Ten not putting their schedule out, they've announced what they think what it's gonna be, but they're not putting it out yet. Now with the Pac-12 you know, news moving so quickly, maybe that aligns where if they, if something happens and they back up, you know, can't get in the college football playoff, that aligns so that you can have that matchup, you know, like they had discussed a little bit earlier about, you know, the Pac-12 and Big Ten meeting up for potential bowl games or extra game or whatever um, after the season, regular season ends. Now, we're assuming that the Pac-12 CEO group is going to greenlight this. Do you think there might be a breakdown there? I mean, sometimes presidents and chancellors they're in their own they're on their own wavelength and might say, "Hey, you know what? Not sure about that." That's a it's a really good point, but I feel like it's one of those things where you could take the high ground when you're one of the first to make the decisions. 
to stick to that high ground after everyone else has left and they've gone on and doing their own thing. I, I don't think it would be a very good look. Uh, and we saw the division that was in the Big Ten, and there was people that really wanted to play and other people that didn't. If those some of those presidents probably would have switched their vote, knowing how adamantly like Ohio State and Iowa and Nebraska was, but they sort of were like, you know, we're with the majority here. You're not with the majority anymore. It's really hard to take that moral high ground when everyone else has gone off and do you know doing the the, the, the quote unquote right thing or whatever. So I, I don't think the presidents are going to get in the way of this situation, and they don't want every time you get a vote like this, it has to be unanimous. Like. The fact that the Big Ten had a non-unanimous vote is like breaking news. And the fact that you never even hear about that kind of stuff. So I think the Pac-12 is going to have to be unanimous in this. I think Larry Scott's going to champion, hey, we got to play going forward. All the ADs are going to be like, hey, we got to do this going forward. We got the rapid testing. I think they'll have enough information uh, to make these presidents feel good. But if there's good, I don't see a couple of them just being like these, uh, you know, standing in the way of this happening. It just wouldn't be a good look. No one wants to look bad. You don't want to be the Oregon State president and be like, I'm taking a stand that we're not going to allow college football to happen because uh, it's not safe. And they're the only person that's doing that. I, I, as much as you might believe it, I don't even think you'd want to go along with it just because you don't want to be that last man standing and just look really bad. Yeah. I mean, listening to, you know, the, the medical people that were on the call after the Quidel and uh, Quidel announcements, it sounds like they are much more, cl- much closer to, you know, uh, to say that everything is hel- that this can be done. Than they were the first call that we talked with, you know, with Larry Scott and and that group, Doug Ackerman from Oregon State and that group. So I think you're you're much closer on that side with the medical side of it, and I think that's uh, where the chancellors will will take their opinions more, uh, more. They'll take more from their opinions than from you know the athletic directors or anything. And because because they're kind of leaning towards, or sound like they were leaning towards. It being a, a possible, I think you'll you'll have that. But also, it should be pointed out that the CEO group can just say, "Yeah, you can practice," and not necessarily set a date or anything. So I, I think that that's that's much more likely than than them saying that there's an issue and they're not going to. I think they'll say, "Yeah, go ahead and practice," and there might be another meeting about, "Okay, are we ready to start a season? When's the date for that? What has to be done? All that type of stuff." I don't know if all that gets. Uh, resolved on Friday. That that's a big question mark to me. Yeah, I think just opening up the lane to practice is a big deal. And yeah. sometimes they don't focus on things like that. I think, I think Eric Garcetti's like statement. They were talking about fans in the stands. It's like nobody's nobody's asking for fans in the stands. They just want to be able to practice. Like, and it's just sort of like these steps you need to take. And why couldn't the Big Ten like you know shift it from second to third gear as quickly as they did? Because they've all been practicing. Like they've been allowed to practice. Yeah, the Pac-12 is coming from like. You know, it's like you're, you're, they don't even have the, the engine built yet. Like, they need to really get things rolling here. Like, you want to try to race, and, uh, you know, the, the car isn't done. So this is going to allow the car to get finished. You're going to start it up and, and start, you know, doing that, like, a pace track, you know, pace lanes or whatever around the track. Get it going. So just let them practice. And once they start practicing, then it's much easier to switch it on and say, hey, we can start a season October 23rd, or we can start a season – uh, November 8th, whatever it is, you'll be in a much better position if you're allowing these guys to practice. So they needed to get through some of that bureaucratic crap, some of that political crap, and like let them go out there and practice. They can do it safely. And then at least you're on that road. So I agree, Shotgun. I don't know we're going to get any kind of decisions like, hey, the, the, we're going to start games and like same time the Big Ten. Sure, sure. But at least it'll be, okay, we're going to be practicing. We're going to be, you know, 
you're you're keeping your powder dry and you're getting ready to go into battle whenever you have to. You you love that analogy. <laughs> Let me bounce back to to one thing. Ryan, talking about you, you said that they may not be focused on the college football playoff. That might be because they're not really a championship caliber team right now. No. Now, you could have said before everything started that Oregon might be up there. Maybe USC puts things together. But with the opt-outs that both of those two programs have had, and that's yeah. something we haven't talked about, so to, to bring it to that. Yeah, we um, received multiple questions. Sorry, yeah. Shaka. Just wanting to know if – Players that have opted out, haven't contacted an agent or whatnot, can they come back at this point? So looking at the Big Ten, you've got Ohio State players that are actively trying. Wyatt Davis has already said he's trying to to figure out a way back. Sean Wade said he's up in the air a little bit. He's going to see what the NCAA kind of tells him. He hasn't signed with the agent, but he does have an agent. Um, So I I think that the Pac-12 players will look at what happens there and say, okay, let's see. But I've reached out to, to the USC, you know, the camps of the USC players that have, uh, you know, that have opted out, Jay Tefele and Elijah Vera Tucker. Uh, and at least one of the players, you know, the people in their camp said that there's still right now, after everything that's happened today, there's still too many uncertainties. So as of right now, they, are, they still plan to opt out. Now, will those, those things be considered? Will they, uh, you know, reconsider those things if on Friday they come out and say, this is the schedule, this is where we're going to start? Then yeah, I think they definitely will. Where are they at in that process? I think Jay Tefele obviously is a little bit farther along because he did it a little bit earlier. Um, and also, you know, I'm a lot of times when someone signs the agent, they get a bonus up front. Jay Tefele's family, obviously, his sister had COVID, was in the in the hospital. They had a GoFundMe uh, page to try to raise money for that, so they've got some medical expenses they're they're working to pay. So that would lend me to think that one of those bonuses might've already been accepted by Jay Tavelle. So that could put his, his status in question, even if he wants to come back. So uh, Elijah Vera Tucker, on the other hand, because his is so recent, I think that, you know, there might be some wiggle room there. So those are the two guys, obviously USC, um, you know, that have opted in, opted out already. Um, I think the other guys that we were kind of waiting on the dominoes to fall, the Amon Ross St. Browns, the Tyler Vaughns, I think this puts everything on pause. Yeah. And I think, I think that's yeah. the, that's also the thing that with a lot of the players that have opted out in the Big Ten and the, the Pac-12, I kind of didn't see the reason why you would do it now. Um, you know, I'll, you see it in the, in the SEC, you know, Jamar Chase just opted out now. They're, what, uh, two weeks away. I think that makes a lot more sense where you see where things are at a couple weeks before the season begins rather than going – now, some some kids just don't like school and don't want to go to school. I don't know if that's necessarily the case with the, the USC players, but – some players are like I'm. I've been doing this school thing for 16 years or whatever. You know, I'm 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 through with it. I'm I'm good. I'm ready to get my professional career started. Um, so that could be a factor. There's there's a lot of things that can be a factor in it. Um, but if it's just straight looking at football and the uncertainties, I would I didn't see why you wouldn't wait and see what happens with with the Pac-12 um, and and the Big Ten. Same thing for both those conferences. And now you see in some of those players that have made those decisions in the Big Ten are going. Wait a second. Can I can I flip that back over? Yeah, I think we're going to hear from the NCAA on this. I mean, remember last year was it Michael Turk the or Turk the uh, punter from Arizona State left, went through the combine, and uh, then came back to school, and he got a waiver to be able to do that. I think in these situations, you know, as long as you didn't like buy a house from your agent or something, I would think the NCAA would allow something like that to happen if you want to. My gut says. Uh, that Elijah Vera Tucker and, and Jay Tefelli would just stay opted out. But, I mean, that's not talking to sources. That's just what I would think. 
And and there is some precedent here because basketball, you're allowed to hire an agent that's approved by the NCAA, go through the combine experience, and then you can opt out of the draft still. You can withdraw your name. So it's not like you're not allowing this to happen in other sports where someone has an agent that is approved by the NCAA, uh, but that you're allowing them to have an agent to help with the process and then decide to pull back. Now, the money pro- the money uh, portion is the, the big question mark. You know, maybe if you have accepted money, if you, you give it back or whatever, you know, similar to Chase Young having to pay money back um, during his suspension or whatever. So uh, there's some some leeway there, though, I think. And I think the NCAA knows that they have to be on the side of players uh, in this whole situation, which is why you've seen everyone get an extra year eligibility. You've seen some of these other things. Turk was allowed to, to come back to school. I think he ended up transferring, but, you know, he was allowed to return his eligibility. So there's some things that have happened. I think the NCAA will have some, allow some wiggle room for those guys. So not to be the Debbie Downey here, but I am the host and have to put up the questions that people ask. And we've received multiple questions that basically go into, so what happens if a player develops lung issues or develops a heart issue or something bad happens? What's the plan there? Because what the commenters kind of said was, you know, nothing's really been changed. I know from the Pac-12 side of things, they were very concerned about myocarditis in the beginning. They feel like they have a better sense of it now. They do cardiology clearances, so they at least make sure that people are cleared before they even get back into physical activity. Uh, and then the daily testing can reduce infectiousness almost by 100%. So they feel better about that. But as far as the long-term effects, things that we still can't really have a grasp on yet, how do you kind of settle that score? Yeah, I mean, we don't know at this point. I feel like the myocarditis stuff, uh, there was that study that came out, the German study, and then a lot of people were questioning some of the data that came out of that. But I feel like the main takeaway from that, and obviously I'm no epidemiologist, I'm no expert, but knowing that it was there, it's potentially there. So if anyone does test positive, they're going to have these cardiac tests done. And I think they feel pretty good about it. We know that that's a possibility. So... The, the problem would be, this my understanding was, if you didn't realize there's these cardiac issues there, you had a large heart, you go practice and something bad happens. If you do get something, some kind of uh, cardiac uh, you know, element happening to there, you know, to a you know, complication from uh, you catching the, you know, the virus, you're probably going to be out of competition for a while because you, your heart enlarges a little bit or whatever and you have to be tested. So I feel like you get them out of the population, the, the rapid testing you're getting those people out of the population, but people can still, you know, you could still wake up, spit on that thing and, and test positive that day. Now you're not going to, you know, get anyone else, uh, contaminate anyone else or, or, you know, be contagious for anyone else, but you might go home and maybe you don't have any symptoms. Maybe you feel like you got the flu or whatever it is. Like there's, uh, you know, we've seen a, a wide range of it, but you might be one of those rare people that has something, you know, like, like Keely said, bad happened for the most part. It hasn't happened to, these younger people that are in shape and stuff, but it, it certainly could. Um, so I feel like they're going to do whatever they can to prevent it from happening. I know LSU, you know, had all these players get it. I mean, they're playing, it seems like the SEC is playing chess and everyone's playing checkers, but uh, that's where I think the issue is going to be. If there is some kind of wild outbreak and, and one of those people get it or a family member of a player or a coach or someone gets it from, from something like that. But I don't, I mean, just like all of us in our daily lives, we, that's a risk we're going to be running and I feel like they feel it's no no big difference from, you know, they'll probably actually be safer from catching the disease if they're with the team practicing and being tested every day than if they were just at home uh, and being able to do whatever they wanted. 
if the SEC is playing chess and everyone else is playing checkers, they're playing with a flaming board, chess board. <laughs> it's like Harry all... Potter. It's like Harry Potter. They're using the real things. You know, like Will they, they smack them. Like, yeah. <laughs> I don't know these references you speak of. However. Wow. Yeah, no. Sorry, movie uh, reference that but, I actually get. Continue. But, uh, like, they're playing with fire at the same time because it's, it's an unknown. Mm-hmm. And now we hope that nothing happens. And also, I think that one of the biggest differences uh, now is they're doing the, the heart um, you know, studies. They're doing the, you know, the extra stuff uh, based on what have they found out from some of the myocarditis. Now, obviously, that study, there was a bunch of discussion about it and everything, and, you know, the, the, the conclusions they came to. But they're doing that extra studying now. They're also uh, they're going to be able to identify sooner. Anytime you have any disease, it's always better to to identify it sooner than it is later. Sure. Um, and with six what seven months now? What are we on? Six seven? I don't I'm even six know. Six right now. Six. With six. six months, they've learned how to treat it better. There's things that, and if you identify it early, there's certain things to treat it quicker. So I, I think that there are advancements there, which is a positive. Now. This question was asked by, you know, a player's father. So it is still a concern. If, if I had yeah. a child, I would still be concerned about that because there's so many, there's still unknowns with this because it's a novel virus. It means it's new. That means it hasn't happened before. That means we don't know exactly how it's going to do things. Now, we've got six months of studying it, eight months of studying it. Um, so we're learning a lot of stuff about it. And I think that's why you're seeing better treatments of it. I think that's why you're seeing death tolls go down and different things like that. But there is still a concern because of the unknown, um, especially if you have an underlying condition that is not known. And the thing about this virus in particular, from the things I've read, the, the research that I've read is that why there's been so many different symptoms that people have had, uh, is because, of the way it attacks your cells. You know, it doesn't attack your lungs. It doesn't attack your heart. It attacks certain cells and therefore it can attack different things uh, across your body. Um, And that's why you're seeing so many different symptoms. So that means if you have an underlying condition, it doesn't have to be an underlying heart condition. It can be an underlying gastrointestinal issue that you don't know about. You never knew about for your first 18 years of life, something pops up and this attacks those cells. Suddenly there's some trouble. Um, Now, is that a death sentence for a player? No, but it, and I think because of the advancements, I think there's positive. I, I think we can feel safer about players that do uh, catch it, that you know that they can treat it better now than maybe they were, were be able to four months ago. But there are still some concerns there. Yeah, I got an analogy. I don't know if it's going to work. Let me run it by you real quick. Uh, okay, so you're like college football. You're a college football player, and you got to get from LA to New York or New York to LA. Uh, you can not play college football, which is essentially like the equivalent of driving cross country in your car, or you can jump in an airplane and fly. Now the airplane's actually safer than you driving your car across country. But if you get in a car wreck, you know, it might be a little fender better. You get in a plane crash and it's like coming crashing down. So if you're a college football player and you just stay home and you get the virus, it's not going to be like blaming college football. It's not going to be this big deal. But if you actually play college football and some, you get the virus and you're really sick and like maybe your life's threatened, that's going to be more of a, a, a that's the plane crash. That's going to be that that could bring everything down as far as college football goes. So even though they're safer being on campus, there's a bigger risk that if you do get it and someone does get sick, they're going to say this is because you played college football when in all likelihood that player would have been probably just as likely to get it just being at home or whatever, if that makes sense. I don't know if that works, but. Yeah, I think what, uh, what, you're, saying, what you're saying is that, 
you know, that the football is going to be blamed for it, regardless of where a player catches it. Um, and the biggest thing is if you're testing every day and you're not spreading it, then you then I think football is and these programs are doing the best they can to stop the spread to keep it's not like you're catching it from your teammates that way Um, you should be able to stop if you're doing daily testing and that's something that the Pac-12 is was the first one to do that and something that I still don't think that the other conferences are necessarily doing and I think that's why you're seeing some of these outbreaks that you've seen because not everyone is doing daily testing now they're testing three times a week or and on the day before games or game day and they're doing these quick tests on game day, but they're not testing every day. And I think that's where you can – because you're going to be around your teammates away from the field or if you practice on that day that you're not tested, if you do somehow contract it, now you've passed it on. That's, it's, a, it's a lot different where if you get tested as soon as you come in, um, you know, you come into the, the building every day, they find out, they sit you out, you don't spread it to anyone else. So I think it's much better with the daily testing. And that's something and we saw and I've seen in the comments is they didn't understand people don't understand why NFL teams like the Rams and the Chargers were able to get clearance so quickly. And it's it's twofold. One, they're professionals. So that kind of takes a whole different uh, Pandora's box out of the equation. But also uh, the NFL was able to get a partnership with the lab very quickly and do daily testing so that, like Shotgun said, anyone who came into the facility, they knew they didn't have uh, COVID-19. And that's such an easier way to control things. Even though the NFL is not necessarily doing a bubble, you have like a pseudo bubble because you know everyone's uh, state of health at that point. So that's why uh, it was different. Another reason it was different is because you're dealing with amateurs and Gavin Newsom actually talked about that today he kind of went into we still need to keep that paradigm so it's an interesting thing but i think the te- the daily testing allowed people like gavin newsom to kind of look uh, look uh, away from the amateurism issue a little bit and and help this continue on but because what usc has been dealing with this whole time is they are guided by multiple overlapping guidelines of college campus safety, university guidelines, higher education guidelines from the state and from uh, L.A. County. So there were a lot of hurdles they had to jump, and that's why it was such a different thing than the professional sports. So just to clarify that from ev- for everyone, that people were still kind of wondering. And that's also why the Pac-12 is so different from the Big Ten. The Big Ten, like Ohio high schoolers, are playing football. Ohio State is not because the Big Ten decided on its own to not play. Uh, so it's the Pac-12 had different circumstances circumstances regarding why they made their decision. So this is why you're seeing it, the dominoes fall the way they did. So in my mind, the things that had to happen were you needed some type of medical reassurance. That was fixed by daily testing. So you needed uh, then state and local guidelines. Today you have both Gavin Newsom and L.A. County say, okay, we're, we're feeling better about this very quickly, might I add. Now the other domino is the Pac-12 CEO group and what they think about all this. And that supposedly is supposed to get more clarity on Friday. Yeah, I thought it was very interesting that uh, just real quick. I thought it was very interesting that Gavin Newsom used student athletes and supposedly together. It, you can hear him. He like he talked about it. He you could hear him wanting to go off on a tangent about student athletes and how they're not really student athletes right now. But then like kind of brought himself back in. He was like, "That's for another time." So I, I think he's very much aware of the kind of, the paradox or the elephant in the room that you're having. And and mind you, this is not for all student athletes. I believe this is just for college football. So it kind of 
really forces the issue that this the camera says this has something to do with it you know there are, is revenue involved and that's important because if not you would see all the other sports uh 21 sports for usc starting to ramp up as well yeah one of the other issues if you remember from the very beginning keely i don't know if you've heard anything about this but uh you know we talked about the ability to test and maybe the daily testing kind of uh you know takes care of this concern but there was the the issue of uh, if shotgun gets it, anyone within close contact of him has to quarantine for like two weeks. Well, what was the definition of close contact? It pretty much mean anyone on the football team would have to quarantine. So you'd have to quarantine your whole team if any player would get it. I don't know if you've heard any differences there. I think with the daily testing, that kind of the contract trace, the contact tracing is sort of, uh, you know, you know a lot more where you're, you're, you're testing everyone every day. So maybe that takes care of that issue. But that was certainly something where like, Oh, the center got it. Okay, so the entire starting offense has to be quarantined for two weeks, which that's not like that's not going to work anywhere in college football if that's the case. Yeah, and that's something that I still need to figure out. A lot of things happened today, so I'll have to get more clarity on that. But that was one of the major differences too between NFL and college was that, like you said, Ryan, if your center got it, maybe the people they were around would have to quarantine. Whereas in college, it would be like okay, your your offensive line and maybe some defenders have to quarantine. And yeah. the interesting thing that came out today, I don't know if you guys noticed, but the Big Ten said that if a player tests positive. 20, yes, Chuck, and 21 days. They have to be out for 21 days. That's. Did you see that, Ryan? I didn't see that part. Oh, yeah. uh, that is that is no bueno. Like, that is crazy. Like, that ain't going to work. You're not going to do eight games in eight weeks if you're going to quarantine people for 21 days. I, I, and I think that was just for a positive test. Now, you may have to be quarantined if you're close to, you know, the contact tracing uh, as well for a shorter amount of per- uh, period. But, again, I think it, I, I think it's great. If you put the that kind of, you know, it's a punishment. I think it should be a punishment. You know, that you need to be following all the rules so we can have this college football season. Oh, you, you want to go out on a party bus, Memphis? Hey, guess what? You can't play for three weeks now. They disputed that, I think. I think, wasn't there, they disputed that that was the case. But, uh, I'm not. Why wouldn't you dispute that if that came out? I don't know. Like, hey, we party bus or whatever, you know. <laughs> you would say that. Yeah. Uh, should point out there were some – We've talked only about the college football, only about the Big Ten and Pac-12. There's, there's been it was a a giant news dump day. Yeah, surprising that it wasn't Friday at 6 p.m. Mm-hmm. But uh, the NCAA also announced a start to the NCAA basketball season. Uh, it's going to be late November. I think it was November 25th, if I remember correctly. Start uh, practice in late October. I think the Pac-12 will be online to do that. I, I think that they, they won't have any issues getting to that with the developments today uh, on the other side. Um, that So it wasn't just talking about the testing for, you know, for, for football players. I think that, you know, that the basketball players will be able to get those daily tests as well. And I think that that, that season will be able to – they'll be able to stay in line with everyone else. On the other side of things, the NCAA also announced dead period for the rest of the calendar year. So wow. no official visits at all for this class. And Brandon Huffman, who's our, our terrific national uh, analyst up in Washington, posed a great question. How does this affect the December signing period? I, I think, you know, we were really concerned that USC could fall behind if a lot of other conferences were playing and they weren't, especially with some marquee names like Corey Foreman and JT Tuomola, that if they – aren't able to do that, is the NCAA going to say, hey, we're going to push back the December period to February. We're just going to eliminate that how it used to be. Um, you can still early enrollee and everything like you normally would. Uh, I, I think that there's there's some question marks there. But 
one of USC's big advantages is being able to bring kids in in December and say from New Jersey or whatever, bringing in, uh, you know, a Brian Cushing and say, look at how beautiful the weather is right now. Don't you just love it out here in December? This isn't New Jersey anymore. Um, so I, I think that USC loses an advantage. The USC campus is great. It's a great opportunity to get kids on, on campus and stuff. And will we see with some relaxation of these group rules, will we see the possibility of kids being able to make these unofficial, unofficial visits like we've been seeing where Corey Foreman going to LSU with a group yeah. of kids? I mean, there was 12, 12 recruits in a group together. So um, I don't know how, how exactly that works. You know, if, if most of the LSU team has already caught it, then I don't, you might want to watch out if you're a recruit going as well. <laughs> True. Because yeah. not only are recruits going, because you're on an unofficial visit, you need somebody to go with you on these trips. Yeah, yeah. you got a host. Yeah. So your Families. mom and dad are going, and now you know mom has you know asthma or whatever. There's some concerns there. Yeah, I, I would like to see them get rid of the early signing period at this point, where you can't do any visits, and at least give them an opportunity to do that. But I don't like the early signing period when it is anyway. I'd like it to be like July or something, or just don't have one at all. Like having a December just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, yeah. Well, guys, we'll see if they get rid of it. I don't know. What a day today. <sighs> Did you expect this to happen today? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm doing like a little mini vacation. I guess I'm in uh, my friend's house in uh, Scottsdale. I wanted to hang out by the pool and have a few beers today. And I basically, and I was going to try to work out. I basically just woke up and worked all day because it was just insane. Like, you know, Thing after thing after thing. Even while this is going on, I'm sure there's stuff that's been breaking. Like the entire day, there was stuff coming on. There was like, oh, and the Mountain West, they're going to try to play. Oh, and the college basketball season, this is when it's going to start. Like just so many things were happening back to back. So and the much. politicians, you know, the, the, the Gavin Newsom stuff was absolutely crazy. Like, I was just, stunned. I was stunned. All over it. For him to say, like, we're not, that's factually incorrect. We're not the reason they're not going to be able to practice. You're like, what are you yeah, talking it was like about? A, what? Wilner, I don't know whoever Wilner talked to that, that gave the suggestion of five on five football. And just so you understand, like those cohorts, the cohort things, like those are six to 12 people, but it has to be the same people. You can't like yeah. mix and match them. So you could pick, I'm going to put all offensive players, like all the starters on one cohort, but they can't practice against anyone. If anyone like gets hurt, you know, you can't do that. Could you put all the linemen together? Well, then, you, you know, I don't know. Like, but to have a five-on-five five or six-on-six six football or whatever, like, that means you have to have offensive, defensive players. You couldn't have a whole team together. It just – it made absolutely no sense. It was an insane thing to suggest uh, that you're like, you could go play major college football by playing five-on-five. Five and, like, that's it. Like, it just it, – it was tone deafness. There's just – there were just people that should have been talking, and they were – and they got called out for it. Gavin Newsom got called out for it. And then somehow Larry Scott saves him by coming back and saying, it's great that the governor of Oregon and California are, are letting these teams practice again. I'm like, did you hear what Gavin Newsom said? Yeah, it he was... didn't change his mind. He's just saying, no, what I'm doing is not stopping them from playing. And it's like, no, it completely is. Like, it's the exact opposite of what you were saying. But these are high people that make a lot of money in positions of power saving face for each other and at the end of the day it's going to work out for us if we want to see college football anyone that wants to see it's going to work out but the way we got there they just didn't want to like give up they didn't want to all gavin newsom had to do was to do exactly what oregon did yeah. sort of threw larry scott under the bus a little bit and say they haven't requested anything from us but we don't want to be the ones you know we'll work with them to allow them to practice and he didn't say that he's just like no our regulations are fine 
and they could still play. And it was just it was just the wrong message. But I mean, I'm yeah. sorry. At the very least, he could have said, you know, the new testing partnership that I talked about with Larry Scott today in our our, our conference call has given me optimism. I think we should relook at that. And and right now. Let's go. You know, anything besides anything but what let, he said. Yeah. Let me I, be clear. <laughs> it, it's easier to, to throw the Pac-12 under the bus a little bit if you're Oregon versus California, since California and Larry Scott is paying how much tax on that five million dollars that he Good makes point. a year, and how much tax on on that uh, that ridiculous rent that they're paying. So it makes it a little bit easier when you're in Oregon. It's like, yeah, it's all their fault. Yeah. Um, I guess. <laughs> I don't know if we have any other questions, Keely. I want to, I have one little sort of mini topic I want to. Can I just jump in because I oh, saw yeah, some comments ahead. about this? People, and we kind yeah. of flew by because there's so much to cover. People were wondering, well, what is LA County going to say? And according to John Wilner's reporting, LA County officials, per his source, said that they would not stand in the way of USC or UCLA practicing in an 11 on 11 fashion with full contact. So apparently they pulled some magic and LA County yeah. is going to let them go forward. Yeah, Garcetti, uh, you know, talked about – he had a, a quote. I think Ryan Karchi from the LA Times uh, posted the quote about him talking about we've seen it, it were, that, it's, that things are okay with the Rams and Chargers and also throughout their – something like their illustrious victory they just had it so far. <laughs> yeah, I was, and I was like, so much politician talk today. I can't. Yeah, no, he said – if you want me to read the quote, he basically said, um, like, we've seen that they can do it, uh, but don't – if we've learned one lesson from the summer, don't take one step forward and then think you can take two or three. If you figure out a safe way for athletes to really stay contained, to really stay in a bubble, which I was like, everyone's not saying bubble. Why are you saying no. bubble? Uh, and to really have those testing protocols and don't start creeping fans into it. So, yeah, it's like no one's talking about fans. They just want to be able to tackle in practice. Like it's just, it, yeah, it's mind boggling what these politicians do. And I hate, like Shotgun says, I hate when they get involved, but they're involved. But apparently now they're going to be out of the way. So that's what that's what you want. Uh, and you want a clear path to be able to play college football. But my question is, what does this mean? What's the most talked about, you know, aspect of USC football on our message boards and everything? It's Clay Helton, right? Yeah. What, what does it mean for Clay Helton? You lose your best defensive lineman. You lose your best offensive lineman. Who basically, you're losing two positions there because Elijah Vera Tucker was your best left guard. He was going to mm -hmm. have to be your left tackle. He's gone. Um, you didn't really get a whole lot of opportunity to get this new defense rolling. You're still the most talented team, most likely in the Pac-12. Maybe Oregon, you know, could uh, take that away. Um, what do you do? Like, if are there excuses if you don't win the Pac-12 South? You should. Uh, are there excuses if you don't win the Pac-12? What are the fans going to be giving you any slack? I mean, I, I don't know. Like, what does this mean for Clay Hilton and the team? You want to be able to play. But now you're actually see a product on the field, and we don't know what it's going to look like at this point. I mean, what standard do you hold not only Clay Helton and USC, but the entire Pac-12 to, given how quickly they need to turn things around? When are they going to play? Like, do you? I guess as a fan, you want to hold your team to the highest standard, but I just feel like these are just extreme circumstances. Look, when when, when the teams get back on the field. People aren't going to think about circumstances. Sure. You know, when sure. when you're uh, was it Texas Rationality. State? Texas State was playing without a tight end, I think it was, the opening weekend because, you know, the, the position there, two or three that they had, all were in COVID t tracing or had it or tested positive. No one's going to care about that. They're going to yeah. look at that record at the end of the year, and if USC goes four and four, they're going to go, why is Clay Helton still the head coach? I mean, yeah. they're already saying that, but yes. Yeah, I know, but the other side of it is going to be, 
the athletic department is going to look at any school, not just USC, is going to say, how much money did we just lose? Who is going to pay to buy this person out of their contract? And who's going to pay for that next head coach? And fans aren't going to care. Yeah. You know, your, your average person, your average fan is not going to care. They'll be like, no, he's been terrible. We need to get rid of him. But it, there's the economics of it is going to make it so difficult for coaches to be fired. I'm shocked that, that there's been movement at all. Southern Miss, their their coach, I think, resigned. But I'm just shocked that, you know, you know you're going to get paid. No, they can't get rid of you. I don't know why. There could be, I don't know the story behind that one, but you know it, it's. I don't see any college, very little college football movement at all on the coaching front, unless you just have some really powerful donors that are like, I. If you got Jeff Bezos, and you're saying, "Hey, I'm making plenty of money during this pandemic. I'll I'll dish out the money to get rid of this person and pay this other person." Yeah, we. I mean, we reported the war room like a couple months back that don't expect any sort of change, uh, no matter what happens in the 2020 season. I'm, I'm sticking with that. I think ESPN had a similar report recently uh, that we referred to that, that they basically said, unless it's a disaster, expect Clay Helton to be around after 2021. Uh, I still feel like that's going to be the case. I don't know of a, you know, a three, say, you know, USC goes like three and five in an eight game schedule. Yeah, that's terrible. That should never happen. But I don't think USC is going to still be in a position to make a change there. I don't think that's going to happen anyway. Um, but they should win the Pac-12 South. And if they don't, I think there's going to be a, a lot of concern. There'll be some built-in excuses and all that kind of stuff. But it's not going to help Clay Helton. I don't know what's going to help Clay Helton this year unless they, like, basically go undefeated. And, you know, I don't know if the Pac-12 would be a potential for a playoff berth, but I guess you could do something like that. But if they get to play in, like, a Rose Bowl or something, I think that would help. Anything out, you know, short of that, like, winning the South is not going to, like, win fans over. Like, it's going to have to be, like – dominate the Pac-12, and then we'll think about it. And uh, I, I don't know if that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a disaster season, but, I mean, who knows? This is this, – everything's on the table right now. So, it's uh, – I think Austin P played the first game. All three of their long snappers were out. So, yeah. I mean, like, at the end of the day, like, is shotgun right? Is shotgun's right. Like, they're going to be like, well, you know, we were missing our three long snappers. It's like, oh, well, figure it out, you know. Like, yeah. yeah. Hey, I mean, I, I'm all for teams – Running out of long snappers and punters together. Everyone's going for it on fourth down. We're gonna just play some. This is gonna be NFL Street. <laughs> Interesting. I mean, Ed, Ed, can USC fans be won over at this point? I feel like it's Helton out or bus for the majority of them, or at least those on our message boards. If you win a national championship, you win people over. Yeah, I mean that might be sure, it. But that might be the only thing that can do it. And like playoff birth won't do it. I don't think a playoff birth. No. It, it, it'll, get you the, it'll get you like the middle 20% back on your side that have got, you know, they were like, Oh, Helton's a really nice guy. We hope he does well. Yeah. And he's just not performing now. They've gone to, to the, you know, he should be fired side. That 20% will come back, I think, but. Or at least consider it, you know, if you go like back to back playoff years, then people will like, I think you could buy, like people would actually buy in where I mean, it's the same thing. Recruiting. If you show progress, that's the thing. They haven't shown progress. They're not moving forward. You know, they came off the Rose Bowl. You had a great opportunity to continue that. A lot of star players back. You go to the Cotton Bowl, which is a solid bowl. Not, I mean, it's not terrible. You just get drubbed in that. The score it was not reflective. It could have been 45 to 3. You know, they just got drubbed. They were just manhandled up front. So you have to go, okay, our trench work is not good enough. 
How yeah. do we fix that? And you got to progress the next year. And they backtracked way backtracked. Yeah. Now they progressed a little bit last year. You got to progress a big step up this year to start winning some people back. And that is the college football playoff, maybe college football playoff or bust to win people back. Now, whether you, you keep your job or not, that's, I think that comes down to economics more. Yeah. And you're doing so with three open offensive line spots as it stands right now. So it's a it's a hard task. And I know it might seem premature to start talking about Clay Helton when there's not even a Pac-12 schedule out or if CEO group hasn't even voted yet. But it's what we know what your about. fans want. We know what you yeah. fans want. We know what you guys care about. So <laughs> we might as well talk about it. And we'll get a million questions about it anyway. So, I mean, we're reaching the hour and 15 mark. I think it might be time. Yeah. To wrap this puppy up. Any final thoughts, guys? It's a wild ride of a day. So much news. Hopefully we try and covered all of it a little bit. Uh, any final thoughts? Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> make sense of it as we go. Uh, it's been a, a, a crazy, crazy day. Uh, it's just progressed as it's gone along. It's, it's, I don't know, it's just one of those things where it's happening and you got to be on Twitter all the time, like looking to see what's yeah. going on. We're on the USCfootball.com message boards. What are people sharing? Uh, props to 24-7 Sports. They were getting tons of these stories up as little news things broke. They would get things up there. We could talk about it on the site and on the message boards. And some great reporters out there uh, doing great work. So make sure you follow all of them, too. But, yeah, it's one of those memorable days. Covering USC, there's always, like, kind of days like this. But it's usually involving USC specifically. This does somewhat. You know, you have the player and stuff and, and the, you know, the athletic department talking to local governments and things like that. But stuff that was just happening – and as it was going on, like recording shows or like talking about it or writing an article, and then 10 minutes later, something's changed. You're like, whoa, what happened? You know? Yeah. So it's just one of those things where it's just, you're getting like whiplash all day. So I'm glad we did this. Keely came up with the emergency uh, tunnel vision idea. Shotgun so, did. Got to give okay. credit where credit's due. But I, I think this was good. It's, it was at the end of the day. But even as late as we did at 8 o'clock, there was still news breaking like right before the show was going on air with like, you know, the gov- like the uh, athletic departments from USC and UCLA talking to uh, L.A. County and stuff like that. So I don't know, like maybe stuff was happening as we're recording, too. But it was uh, an eventful day. Uh, I think it's a positive day if you want some uh, college football to happen. And uh, stay tuned because there's going to be some I'm sure there's going to be more days. Not maybe not as crazy as this one, but some more stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, we always say at USC that there, there's never a, a dull day. There's always something going to happen, especially when you least expect it. Mm-hmm. So you asked Ryan, you know, if he was expecting any of this. I actually was because my sleep pattern was all thrown off, and that's 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 weird because I don't really have a sleep pattern. Um, but I because I couldn't sleep right the last two nights, I was like, something big's about to happen because it usually <laughs> happens when I'm tired and just like cranky. Um, because I, I don't have a set sleep pattern. I just fall asleep whenever I, I'm tired and I just wake up whenever I wake up, especially during the pandemic works out great for me. But now I was like, I'm waking up in the middle, getting three hours, not being able to sleep much. I was like, something big's about to happen. I know it. And it's, it's crazy that the, the big 10, well, they're going to have a decision Saturday, Sunday. Well, they're going to have a decision on Monday. Well, they'll have a decision on Tuesday. Finally, it comes out on Wednesday. And the pac was like, wait a second, we got, we can do it too. We can get one in real quick. And, you know, it's, it's interesting that the Pac-12 continues to be followers. Yeah. Uh, you know, they're, they've tried to be progressive in some, some circumstances with the Quadell thing, but they've been followers pretty much this entire thing. And, you know, they don't want to be left out. They push the right buttons now to get the ball rolling. It's starting to move quickly. 
hopefully that means that, that we're going to have some, some football in, in the fall and some safe and healthy football in the fall yeah. uh, in the Pac-12 out here on the West Coast. Yep. Yeah. One real quick thing. I think a lesson you can learn from this, and we've talked about this with USC athletic directors over the years, that there was a lot of inaction. And sometimes you don't need to do anything rash. You just need to, like, tell people and let people know. People don't want to be called out. They don't want to, like, if you made some statement towards the NCAA, would they have done something a little bit differently? I mean, Gavin Newsom didn't want to be called out by the USC football players, but he was. And then there's, so then he's got to do something about it. And once more, there's momentum there. I think there's things you could do that USC hasn't been doing over the years. Positive sign that this athletic department was actually trying to help and, and do some of those things. Just putting it out there, just voicing your concerns, making that threat of, you know, when Mike Bone came on our podcast and was like, everything's on the table. That got a lot of people's attention. Like, yeah. wait, USC could like go to another conference or be independent? Not that he had to do any work or anything, just like, we would look at it. That's enough to like scare people, you know? And yeah. calling out the governor or call out like local, like no one wants to be the bad guy in this thing. So I think just being a little proactive out there and just expressing yourself. Uh, yeah, this is the way things are. Here's why I think they shouldn't be that way. And you might get a lot of results that way. And we saw a lot of that happening today. It was really just people kind of covering their own butts. You know, they're covering their tracks like, hey, it's not my fault. This is, you know, uh, so I think that's a lesson to be learned today. You can do more of that and that you can be proactive and you can kind of get your message out there. And you'll be you know, curious to see what the results are. But in this case, it, it worked really well. And to your point, Ryan, from everything I've gathered about this new USC athletic administration, they're all about strategy. They're actually proactive. They're trying to do things the right way and make USC the leader that it once was. Uh, everything that USC fans want to hear. And I think, you know, at the beginning of this administration, we talked about baseball and hitting singles and playing small ball. We keep seeing these singles being hit. So I think this is another, I don't know what you would rank this as far as like hits, uh, triple, double, home run not sure you guys can be the judge of that but uh, it seems like they're doing more to make sure that usc is where usc fans want it to be yeah but you don't want to say doing things the right way that's not a good because that's uh that's tied to a different athletic director my bad i'm sorry yeah prior to me my bad (laughs) (laughs) shoddy you sound you look like you want to say something Uh, more pasta people less uh less uh, shiny desserts trying to take credit for everything and maybe maybe for my disdain of, of politics maybe all the news coming out today means that we've moved past all the politicians and now we can just go forward with the actual CEO groups and stuff, which there's their own type of politics and stuff there right. as well. But hopefully we advance past that. You know, we, you know, the PAC 12 can become similar to the big 10, have a schedule and start practicing and doing those things. Be great to see the USC players. Cause I know a ton of those guys have been putting in a ton of work yeah. uh, to, for them to be able to, to continue to, to move move forward with practicing with pads and stuff and, and getting ready to, to try to play in the season. Yep. All righty, that's going to wrap it up for this emergency edition of Tunnel Vision. So much news today. Hopefully we covered it all. Uh, thanks, big thanks to Shotgun and Ryan for joining me to try and help him break it down. Uh, that's Ryan, that's Shotgun. I'm Kelly. We'll see you all next time.